The year is AD 12,090. The human race dwells in a world of darkness. Or perhaps it might be more accurate to call it a dark age propped up by science. All seven continents are crisscrossed by a web of superspeed highways, and at the center of the system sits a fully automated cyber city known as the capital, the product of cutting edge scientific technology. The dozen weather controllers manipulate the climate freely. Interstellar travel is no longer a far-fetched dream. In vast spaceports, hulking matter conversion rockets and ships propelled by galactic energy stare up at the Empyrean vault, and exploration parties have actually left their footprints on a number of planets outside our solar system, Altair and Spica, to name just two. However, all of that is a dream now. Take a peek at the Grand Capital. A fine dust coats the walls of buildings and minarets constructed from translucent metal crystal. In places, you'll find recent craters large and small from explosives and ultra-heat rays. The majority of automated roads and maglev highways are in shambles, and not a single car remains to zip from place to place like a shooting star. There are people. Tremendous mobs of them, flooding down the streets in endless numbers, laughing, shouting, weeping, paying their respects to the capital, the melting pot of existence, with a vitality that borders on complete chaos. But their garb isn't what you'd expect for the masters of a once proud metropolis. Men don shabby trousers and tunics redolent of the distant Middle Ages and threadbare cassocks like a member of a religious order might wear. Women dress in dim shades and wear fabric rough to the touch, completely devoid of flamboyance. Through the milling crowd of men armed with long swords or bows and arrows comes a gasoline-powered car most likely taken from some museum. Trailing black smoke and popping with the firecrackers of backfires, the vehicle carries along a group of laser-gun-toting lawmen. A dreadful scream rises from one of the buildings, and a woman staggers out. From her inhuman cry, people instinctively know the cause of her terror, and call out for the sheriff and his men. Before long, they race to the scene, ask the wailing woman where the terror is located, and enter the building in question with faces paler than the bloodless countenance of the witness herself. They ride an independently powered elevator down 500 stories. In one of the subterranean passageways, all of which had supposedly been destroyed ages ago, there's a concealed door, and beyond it, a vast graveyard where the nobility, blood-craving creatures of the night, slumber as in days gone by in wooden coffins filled with damp soil. The sheriff and his men soon go into action. Fortunately, it seems there are no curses or vicious beasts here, no defense system of lasers or electronic cannons. These nobles were probably resigned to their fate. The lawmen hold rough wooden stakes and gleaming metal hammers in their hands. Their expressions are a pallid blend of fear and sinfulness. The mob of black silhouettes encircles a coffin. Someone's arm rises toward the heavens, then knifes back down. There's a dull thud. A horrifying scream and the stench of blood fill the graveyard. The anguished cry grows thinner and dies out, 
and the group moves on to the next coffin. When the lawmen leave the graveyard not long after that, their faces are adorned with crimson beads of blood and a shade of sinfulness much deeper than the one they wore before this mission. Though the nobility was nearly extinct, the feelings of pride brought on by the awe humanity held toward them had seeped into their very blood over the course of ten long millennia and would not be shaken off so easily. Because they had indeed reigned supreme over the human race, and because the automated city, now populated by people who couldn't fathom its machinery or receive the tiniest fraction of the benefits it might provide, and everything else in the world that could be called civilization was something they had left behind. They, the vampires. Hi everybody, welcome to Agitator. I'm trying out a Scottish accent but I don't think this is right so this is not a testament to my abilities for anybody listening <laughs> just start sli- just start slipping back out of that donkey no, never mind donkey donk donkey oh yeah okay I was like man who is Scottish I was like you and McGregor mm-hmm. uh, I don't know that's kind of where I hit a there's this great wall. video of a Scottish dude who's stuck on a roof and his friends laughing at him He's like, I get really irritated, you're agitating me. I'm getting real fuck agitated with you now. I was like... Oh, man, that should be the theme song. I know. I'm like, getting real fucking agitated with you now. Yeah, it, was really, it's, it was just really funny. <laughs> Scottish people getting mad. There's another one of a Scottish guy who his girlfriend taped him up inside a cardboard box and he can't get out of it. He's like, Marie, Marie, a joke's a joke, but you got to... Marie, I'm, I'll fucking kill you. It's really funny. <laughs> Good shit. <laughs> Really good shit. Because then he like falls over, and anytime somebody's in like a big, boxy costume, and they fall over, it's funny as fuck. Oh yeah, people falling is hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hello. Yo. I turn this down. Yeah, just a few I, this was uh, this was gonna be a um, a phoenix, uh, starring episode but he's asleep yo what does your sleep schedule look like because you hit the group chat at 3 30 saying you watched safe with jason statham and then you left your last message at 4 11 we're currently talking at 10 30 so when when was did sleep happen in here anywhere i um i usually sleep uh between like 9 and 11 30 9 and 11 30 there you go. Yeah, because yeah, that's like bedtime with the boys. We're like, all right, time to go to sleep. <coughs> and then that's when I pass out, but then I'll wake up again. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. don't really get a lot of... There's a bit of nodding off in between there, mm-hmm. but pretty much 3 o'clock, yeah, I'm up. Oh, so you were I'm actually... up watching up. HBO or something. Yeah. Okay. Because okay. there's not much to... That's like bottle feeding time, so I'm like, mm-hmm. well... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Erica takes Phoenix. Uh, we got him on a unique schedule because we can't afford daycare for two kids. So, mm-hmm. like, he's with me today. I'm still doing work. But, like, he'll be with me on agitator days because we can record, you know, if he's up, he's up. And then I just, I do what I can when I can. Mm-hmm. And then uh, 
would take him to daycare because they worked with us a pro rate like if we can pay a daily so he'll go a couple days a week and then erica's on four tens so she'll like uh she'll watch him on fridays mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah i like you know ha- happy wife happy life is the age-old uh hack life hack yeah. to uh running a smooth house so I, I get up with him in, in the middle of the night I try to I try to beat her. she she won't wake me up if like I let her get it but if she gets to that point she ain't going back to bed either mm-hmm. so I'm like I just mm-hmm. I would just rather you get your sleep baby you just get your sleep that's very considerate I sleep through that shit cause I'm with the kid all day <laughs> so Rios some nights will say yeah Gus just he woke up like four times and I'll be like damn I didn't hear shit. I was out. <laughs> I usually fall asleep about 11 to 11.30. And I usually wake up at 6.30, 7.30, something like that. So I get a solid seven or eight hours every night. God damn. Yep. Yep. That's a long ass time. Yep. Probably going to live to be like 95. I know. Yeah. I, be, I really like sleeping. I like dreaming. I like uh, just the whole thing i had a creepy dream last night though it was one of those things of like you gotta it was like you gotta start doing shit or else and i was like oh fuck okay (laughs) all right all right i'm I'm getting i'm getting to it i'm getting to it it was like the dream was basically long story short i won't go into the details because i'm not chris sacknesson who can actually make his dreams interesting uh but the long story short of the dream was it was like quit fucking around Quit fucking playing. Go do the shit. And I was like, oh, fuck. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, ain't no time for fucking around. That's been uh, that's been the motto and the mode around here. I'm finally starting to get some, some jobs come back in off of mm-hmm. losing a whole, a whole last month mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with all the hospital stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that, shit, but, uh, that shit's rough, dude. How it just fucking tanks your income. I was uh, I did my taxes. I always hate doing my taxes because uh, it's stupid. I was trying to get the the home office credit. Like if you use your office as your office, which I do, you know, it's one hundred percent my office. You get five dollars per square foot of the office. So mine's about two hundred feet. Uh, so I I would put in the two hundred feet, and then I have two different things on my taxes. I have. Uh, basically broken river and uh freelance shit and so it makes it forces you to put in the office space for each one and then when you get to the end of it it's like uh it's all stupid tax language so i was confused at first so i just set the other one at zero and then my my refund went from a thousand to like ten dollars and I was like, fuck, what like, What the fuck is... And I was like, can I go in and change this? And TurboTax goes, nope, nope, can't change individual lines. Can't can't do that. So I... Damn. I went back and... That's why... Go ahead. This episode is brought to you by H&R Block. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, I've used TurboTax for eight years. And it's been pretty good. It's been... Anyway, but long story short, I just wiped it all out and went back, did the whole thing over again. And I just, instead of putting that my office was 200 for my freelancing i just put that it was 100 and then i put that the one for broken river is 100 which adds up to 200 which got me my thousand dollars because you can't go over 300 
basically. Um, so the two and two was making four. It's all very confusing. Anyway, long story short, um, Reedsy takes 10%, right? That's their fee of anything that I charge somebody. Stripe, to pay out, takes 2.9%. And then mm -hmm. the United States government takes 15.3%. <laughs> so of the money that I make, right, I keep 72% of it. That is, that's, why don't I just live in fucking Norway, dude? At that point, just take, just take, just fucking <laughs> yeah. take a full 40% and make everything fucking free for me. You know what I mean? Like, we're pretty much there already. That's why you gotta uh, you gotta charge like you're being taxed. Yeah, I that's do. A, I do. That's another man. It's obviously dope dealers know about money because that's the only reason you sell dope is to make money. Yeah, but that's true. There's not anybody who's doing it for love of like I just love getting people products. You know, I just this is really my passion. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like they're Mary. Learning. They're Mary Kay. They have the little decal on the back of their car. It just, <laughs> it just says drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> if they sell enough, it just, they get the, they it get says the like pink MCM two whatever you know, mm -hmm. like new research chemicals mm -hmm. all over it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Looks like a beautiful mind chalkboard or something. It's like, oh yeah, that's the local dope dealer. Yeah, <laughs> he's really dope. passionate about his shit. Yeah, yeah. When you sell enough fentanyl, you get the pink Cadillac. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. When you when you go to like buy uh allegedly like what i've heard is when you go to buy and like things are up you know it's hard to get hold a product or whatever it's like yeah i'm being taxed so uh you getting taxed too right right so right they, they raise the price on that shit and i feel bad because the customers that i that i work with they get they get charged an extra 10 percent on their end too but the prices are just gonna have to be the prices because i was i mean I had a really good month this month, almost five grand in uh, in freelance work, but like 72% of that. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So it's more like it's more like 3,500, which again, I mean that's fine. But I was just looking at my bank account and I was like, wait, what the fuck? Like, just you know how you could just kind of tell like something's lower than it should be. And I get suspicious because, I mean, you experience this with the DoorDash bullshit, but, like, uh, I get suspicious that, like, money's, the money's just wrong. And I went through all of it, and I was like, oh, no, it's right. I just, I just keep forgetting that, like, everybody's got their fucking hand in my pocket, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I get, I get the reason, like, that's their business, right? Like, that's the exchange that you make. They put everybody into a hub and you pay 10% for the privilege. I get that, that's fine. But Stripe, 2.9%, for real? 3% on every charge? That's crazy, dude. But that 3% charge is nuts. And then, of course, don't even get me, like, America is supposed to be a place where you can start your own business and kind of make yourself, you know? And the tax on, you know, having your own business is fucking 15%. That's crazy, dude. Yeah. That's nuts. <laughs> yeah. The land of opportunity. The yeah. land where you yeah. better start charging out the ass, motherfucker. Almost you ain't gonna one last. fifth. One fifth of your whole income is supposed to go to the fucking government. That's crazy, dude. It's crazy. And meanwhile, you know. Well, 
I'm not even going to say it because people already know what I'm about to say. But other people don't pay taxes. I got to figure out their loopholes, right? Like, do I, do I need to start donating to... Uh, to fucking charity or something is there a uh you you should keep tabs on a lot of shit because i realize like there's a lot of things that i i uh and i'm chump change to them at the moment i won't be next year so i better start like watching my steps but if you just keep a tally if you always have money on your mind any transaction you make you have to be like, that's going on my taxes mm-hmm. in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, no, when you, you probably do make donations to shit. Like, mm-hmm. you think that that means, oh, I sent $10,000 to this place, blah, blah, blah. But no, you drop some clothes off at Goodwill, that's a write off. Ooh, okay. All right. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah, I'm going to get really, I'm going to start keeping receipts and just keeping better track of all this shit especially after having as good of a month as i've had this month which i'm hoping to just replicate in the future i gotta get on my p's and q's because if i start pulling in 60k a year 70k a year i mean what is what's 15 percent of that like ten thousand dollars fifteen thousand dollars something like that and that will that will bite me in the fucking ass next next tax season Two, when we start selling like Big Grant Womack out here, number three in Black Horror, right? Right, holy shit! And Black Horror is not one of those. Uh, that's not one of those subgenres that's like, oh right, like in speculative Lovecraftian mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in whatever fiction. Like, nah, no, like Black Horror is yeah. like, damn. Yeah, if if it's a black person who wrote a horror book, they're in Black Horror, and so Grant is now at number three in black horror and he's actually he's in the the low 200s of just horror in general is what i saw like he's like what 250 in horror period and that's like that's stephen king that's that's all the that's all the boys there's only 250 books ahead of him in every horror book that exists period so for like comparison when i got up to when mercy shot up to number four in cyberpunk earlier this month that put it at like number 1300 mm-hmm. in uh science fiction mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so like number three to number 250 is like some serious numbers mm-hmm. that's what we like to see though that's what we like to see getting uh some well i shouldn't talk about broken river stuff but it's it's just, <laughs> it's just really funny that i uh you know, I kind of just like take my foot off the gas of this thing and let it be its own thing and let you guys kind of do whatever you want with it. And I don't, it's just really funny to me how there's just like a power, but I think it might be the sigil or something that, that, but it just seems to have like a life of its own and just do what it wants to do. There is really something strong about Broken River. And like, I mean, you know, Hum of the World isn't, a broken river Correct. title but right, grants right, right. a broken river member yeah. so like it's yeah it's different mm-hmm. yeah maybe we shouldn't talk too much because it is like being in a cult yeah and i'll just i'll just leave it at that um but yeah so once we start selling you know big numbers like grant and we're actually making a decent living that is actually for the first time in my adult well, in my life, period, I'm going to have to start 
really paying attention to my taxes. <laughs> like we're really paying close attention. Cause I got, yeah. I got money back this time between the child tax credit, the office credit, uh, just the fact that I didn't really make any fucking money. Like Broken River doesn't make any money anymore. So the taxes on that aren't a big deal. And uh, my, my freelancing, like when I saw the actual, how low the number was last year, I was shocked and appalled. Cause I was nervous at first. I was like, fuck, I'm gonna have to pay taxes on this. I looked up my Stripe dude, almost, I'm not, I'm not gonna say specific numbers cause it's embarrassing, but like the back half of that year was just nothing, nothing. I had like two big it jobs was, yeah. and that's it. <laughs> No, it's on it's on record. You can go back through episodes and be like, that's the point he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, and that's <laughs> when what... he's really like tense and aggressive. Yeah, that's... yeah. And I was like, how did I even survive? And then I remember it's because my car got totaled in that hailstorm and I got a $20,000 check for it. And I was like, oh, so if I didn't have that $20,000 check, which, by the way, is tax free, I looked it up, like disaster payments for vehicles and shit untaxed uh hell yeah when i got that's what essentially got me through um and it's funny too i don't want to ramble too much we'll get into uh today we're talking about space dandy and vampire hunter d book one by uh kikuchi the boy kikuchi but anyway just to wrap that up i that was my my final lesson in terms of like when you get a big influx of cash like that you don't you don't just stop and say oh okay well, I'm good, but I've been poor my whole life, so $19,000, I was like, oh, shit, I don't have to do shit. <laughs> I, 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 can, I can play fucking video games. I'm set for games. life. I'm set for life. Is that, uh, <laughs> is that like Seth Rogen, uh, I think it was Knocked Up, where she's like, what do you, yeah, it was Knocked Up, because she's going, so what do you do? And he's like, well, I uh, got ran over by a taxi driver and sued the city, and so like, I got a settlement of like 30 grand, so I'm set for life. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. That is exactly and He's like, yeah, that was like three years ago. I've still got like a thousand. So I'm good for the rest of the year, you know. That's the way that I've always operated. Pre-having a child, pre-having a child, I just, I've had to learn how to respect, covet, and pursue money because I've just never cared. Never cared. You know? Like I mean there's there's positives and there's negatives to that, right? I mean on the one hand, like like I said, I don't make any money from Broken River and that's that's all good, but it's like I do need to understand that fucking I have a child, man. Money's important. You know, so I gotta, yeah. I gotta, I gotta beef up, which is why actually I decided to start reading the Vampire Hunter D books, and uh, what we'll talk about in Agitator Z is the, uh, is the Cradle series. I read book one of the Cradle series, this huge, oh hell yeah, yeah this yeah. huge science fiction book or whatever. Um, that's why I'm trying to figure out how how this shit works, you know, because I'm, I'm trying to sell, dude. I'm trying, I'm trying to have ten thousand reviews on my Audible, right? I'm trying to, uh, you know, have people go crazy for the the things that I write because, uh, man, I <laughs> I had a fucking uh, did I talk about the job interview on the show? 
I don't think I did. <laughs> I don't think uh, on Lost Explorers you brought it up. Oh but, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Which everybody should go listen to. Well, that's been fucking. I love that show. I love listening to you and Chris and like that di- that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Like we're like bros over here, and y'all are friends. But it's like mentor grasshopper, like kung fu master shit, mm-hmm. uh, with like cool anthropology and all kinds of. I've been on architecture for a long, for a hot minute now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, nah, you haven't brought it up here. So how'd this job interview go? I don't think it went well at all. I I, <laughs> I had a so like they base. I had a Zoom interview with these people, and it turns on, and I see this room, people staring at me. They start asking. They're like they're looking at my resume. Which I was like, okay, this is a slam dunk. I will just link them to my Readsy page where I have 66 five-star reviews. And, I mean, boom. That just that proves that I'm good at whatever I choose to do. And they were like, so what do you do? What What is this? And I was like, what do you mean, what is this? <laughs> it's... <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought it was self-evident. Bro, the issue that I'm going to run into... Uh, for the rest of my life, if I don't figure out how to make this work, is that straight up what I do, people don't just, they, they don't get it. They don't understand because they're not readers. You know what I mean? Like yeah. these people don't read books. So they, it's just, it's a world they don't exactly understand. It's, even if they're in advertising and their job is ostensibly as a writer to sell a product, right? Uh, they don't understand that people exist who who fix people's novels for them like make novels which is better. hilarious right it's like they don't know that there's money in it so they don't take it seriously mm-hmm. because but at the same time you look at somebody who wrote the slogan for eHarmony or something and you're like you got paid how much for that it's like five words right i guess i don't know if eHarm right. i just whatever but like mm-hmm. i'm loving it i'm loving it you're set for life on i'm loving it you know like just do it this is what y'all get paid for yep i narrate whole ass books david edits shit like it would be garbage if he didn't touch it and like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of course we're making money yeah yeah so they said they didn't get what it was and they asked me some questions and i feel like i answered them pretty well but at the end there was just this 30 second silence after I asked them my questions, which I had chat, uh, chat GPT generate for me, uh, they love that, which is what AI is really good for, as I've said in earlier episodes. But after I was done with my questions, they sat there and looked at me, and I looked at them, and it just <laughs> went like that for like 30 seconds. And they're like, okay, well, we'll be in contact. That was not this Friday, but the Friday before. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think... I don't think they like me very much. Well, I'm not gonna. Like I'm a, not gonna get a haircut. It's like a Mike scene. Yeah, I'm not gonna get a haircut for a Zoom interview. You see what I'm saying? Like, so I got my long hair. Whatever. It's almost long enough that I can put it into a ponytail, which ponytail is professional, but shaggy, you know, like, I don't know, shoulder length. I don't really know how long my hair is now. It's just a. That's why you got to go pompadour like me. Yeah. Next. Next time I might just. Uh, like slick it back with some like serious gel make it look like it's in a ponytail so i can get like the, the fucking richard grico look i think that's there you the, go i think that's what i'm trying to do 
That looks really professional. It does. That's the that's the hairstyle Homeboy was rocking the last like boss fight in that movie Safe I was watching. Hell yeah. It's Which definitely I've been watching mode. I think I've I think I've been watching these for the same reason that you've been reading the like uh bigger books and shit. Mm-hmm. I've been really honestly well I started off just like mindless just like whatever I'm up at 3 a.m. I don't want to turn my brain on I'm just gonna watch Cobra or something Mm -hmm. but like it turned into this like seeking out action films and lately I'm on a Jason Statham kick but uh I'm just kind of honestly really drawn into the plot structure like the shit I never gave a fuck about before Mm -hmm. And now, now I'll be like blown away how they just connect basic beats of a story. Mm-hmm. How they just like mm-hmm. introduce something and then ramp up the tension and then take take the thing away from the hero who then goes and like, it, I don't know, just like the basic story shit. I'm like, that's how you do it. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. I see you. Mm-hmm. Whereas what we write, it's basically just bars, bar. It's like the it's like the Aesop Rock model. You know what I mean? Of just cool language jokes neat imagery uh but with not like even dying world dying world doesn't have a a plot you know what i mean (laughs) there's like uh there's like three scenes in it honestly yeah yeah it's basically three scenes and uh so basically like by reading vampire hunter d which i'll get into vampire hunter d first because i couldn't remember uh, the movie at all it's just my bad memory I guess but some stuff yeah came I know I watched me. that shit but I was like a child yeah so. yeah it's been a long time I remember and it's in the book too the guy with the spiders that come out of his hunch that's in the book um, oh that's that movie yeah yeah okay so basically Vampire Hunter D this first book was uh, released in 1983 it's written by Hideyuki Kikuchi who would go on to write uh, Demon City, Shinjuku, Wicked City, uh, book uh, movies like that. But he started with this. Uh, I guess technically they're light novels. They're between novellas and proper no about fifty thousand words each. Uh, there's thirty five of them in the series. Uh, Dark Horse has been putting out omnibuses, about three of these novels at a time. Uh, side note: I'm looking at my bookmark. And about third, a third of the way through this thick book, there's something very aesthetically pleasing about that. Um, but I found Omnibus Volumes One and Two in half price books in the manga section, and these things run like twenty, twenty five dollars. They were on sale for ten, so I snatched up both of them. And uh, I'll probably. So you found this in the manga section? Yeah, yeah. They, I think they thought it was manga. <clears throat> because it's that's where we're gonna be that's where we gotta put our shit oh i like that i like that where people are like oh this is obviously a comic book um that's cool yeah i didn't even think about that so kikuchi had a mentor uh his mentor was uh fuck i know i should have written this down kikio something the guy who wrote lone wolf and cub um oh hell yeah that guy's mentor was the dude who made golgo 13 so there's this lineage of violent, sleazy, action-based manga and anime that just gets passed down from person to person. And I think shit like that is cool. I think that it's almost like there are these different schools 
you know, of almost like a samurai or ninja or whatever. And if you get these certain mentors, you come out the other end making perverted shit, <laughs> like perverted gory shit. Um, this first book, I, I really liked it. Um, it's about 250 pages. It's basically just introducing the, the D character. Uh, and it's funny too, I don't know if this is from the translation <clears throat> or if the standards for writing books in Japan in the early 80s were different from manga, but there's a lot of, even though there is a lot of gore and kind of gross shit, a lot of stuff is sort of masked in uh, innuendo. So the way that I'm going to recount the plot to you is as though there was no innuendo whatsoever, right? Um, so it starts off, we've got uh, D, who's a, he's a dampier, which is, he's basically like Blade. He's half vampire, half human. Um, oh, yeah. All their powers, none of their weaknesses type shit. And he encounters this woman named Doris. Fucking Doris. Doris. <laughs> and she's kind of got a Renfield from Castlevania vibe. She's got a whip. Uh, in fact, in later books, each one of these books has about a dozen illustrations in it, too, which is something you and I have to get on, too, is actually adding pictures into our books. I think that's a... I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's a, that's a key... But um, so they meet on, on this road, this desolate road, uh, because they, they live in the year uh, 12,090, which <laughs> to take a brief pause is an amazing conceit for a book because he does things in this book where he just introduces like cyborg horses and, you know, clouds that eat cows. And it's like kind of a Western, kind of a Gothic, kind of a cyberpunk, uh, kind of just like old hammer film. Dracula style shit and he just mixes it all together he's like you know what it's uh, 10,000 years in the future so uh, anything I say goes because um, so basically uh, she meets up with him because she's been bitten, bitten by a vampire she wants to engage his services to kill the Count uh, Count Lee named after Christopher Lee who played Dracula uh, <laughs> there's a lot nice. of stuff in that there's a character in here named Machen like Arthur Machen um, what was it oh one of the bad guys' name is uh, his first name is Greco, and his second or his last name is Roman. So his name is Greco Roman, which is pretty funny. Just you know, great. <laughs> <laughs> just Japanese names that they think sound cool. So basically, that's how you name shit. Yeah, that's, yeah. The Japanese are fucking amazing. Yeah, Kojima just, is fucking awesome with that shit. Exactly. Uh, what like Die Hard Man. Yeah, his name is Die Hard, man. <laughs> wow, you thought of that for all of two seconds, and you know it's cool. Yep. And he's like, and I'm going to give him a fucking detailed backstory, too. Um, so basically, the girl wants to enlist his services. He says, no, nah, you can't afford me. She's like, hey, I'm 17 and a virgin. You can have your way with me. And D goes, oh, you wouldn't like that very much, I promise. You don't, you don't want me to do that. Um... <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> what is it, buddy? Whoopsie, sorry. What happened? Oh, he knocked over the bottles. Okay, that's cool. Um, throughout this book, D is only ever described as being gorgeous, handsome, beautiful. Uh, he's consist. The Kikuchi is constantly making the point that D is hot, right? Um, that's a very important thing because one of the one of the bad guys in this, uh, Ray Ginsei, is also described as being really hot, too. 
Um, so anyway, Dee eventually agrees to help her and her little brother who run a farm uh, to like find this count and kill him. So Dee goes off to the castle to kill the count, gets, gets fucking uh, tricked by a trap door, and uh, ends up in this kind of moat with all of this black hair. And so basically there are these creatures in the moat called the Three Sisters, and there are these three hot chicks who are on a snake's body, kind of like a hydra. And their whole thing is that they wrap dudes up with their hair and like start tickling their balls until they until they bust. <laughs> and when they bust, they eat the cum, and that like, so they're like cum vampires, basically. Um, by the way, this is all innuendo in the book, right? The he says something like they cause men to reach the ultimate heights of pleasure and then feast on the results of that pleasure. I'm like, oh shit, they're cum eaters. That's, that's tight. Um, huh. Yeah. This is genius. Yeah. I started. Uh, I started watching Euphoria because I pitched my the YA novel I'm working on as Euphoria meets it. Uh, because I was getting some insider notes on like what would sell. Uh, not to agents. I'm gonna drop this shit and start selling it to schools and shit. Fuck that. The but like what the kids want basically Mm -hmm. and they were like there's always a horror element some kind of team up like seven samurai style or goonie style or whatever and uh uh and the kids go through some pretty adult shit they're just young right 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 so like i started watching euphoria which is fucked up and i'm like it's like it's funny because it's fucked up because now I'm grown, mm-hmm. but I'm like, yeah, I'd went through worse. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. but but it but yeah, they just show it. So I'm like, I don't think I can. Like, what are the rules of writing YA? But this is genius. I need to get. I need to dig into the Vampire Hunter D innuendo tip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You basically yeah, you just kind of mask it. So D is locked up in their hair. He can't move. He can't get out of it. And they're, the heads start arguing over, like, who gets to fucking suck his dick first or whatever. And uh, what happens, is, what's really funny, is that basically, like, D goes from being really handsome to, like, extra demonically handsome. And then he fucks the sisters retarded, and they become his slaves instead. Um... <laughs> 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 and the the vampire count is like what happened to the three sisters and they're like literally they're in front of him and they're all like Duh, he was so beautiful uh. and then he shoots them with a laser cannon and disintegrates them but uh i thought that was a nice little touch meanwhile uh, greco roman who's the son of the mayor back in this western style town tries to rape doris in a bar gets stopped he's wearing a cyborg suit just because he bought it um he gets stopped by this gang of bandits, which includes uh, like an eight-foot-tall, uh, made-out-of-brass golem, uh, hunchback who's got spiders that come out, uh, Ray Ginsey, who's, uh, who's got this uh, dimension-shifting ability, where at one point he gets shot in the head, but he has the ability to warp dimensions. So like a guy shoots him in the head, and the laser beam blasts out the back of the guy who shot's head. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Um anyway uh to touch on just something that i thought was hilarious there's so much focus in this book on beauty 
because uh, Ray Ginsey saves Doris. He says, I couldn't let somebody do that to a beautiful woman. And she goes, so if I wasn't beautiful, you wouldn't have saved me? And he was like, oh, absolutely not. No, I would have just let that shit happen. Um, and then <laughs> there's another part later on where these uh, women are getting bit because the Count is basically eating the villagers until Vampire Hunter D returns Doris to him because he wants to marry her, right? That's the basic thrust of it. He wants to marry Doris. And uh, the, the farmers come up with their wives who've been bitten, and Kikuchi says... Uh, even though the women were in their 30s, they were still beautiful. I was like, damn, this, this dude's fucking brutal with his beauty standards. <laughs> Even though they were in their 30s. Even though they were in their 30s. Jesus. Yeah. So, this was the 80s, I guess. Yeah, it was the 80s. It's Japan, you know. But anyway, Reagan say is cool. He's got these boomerangs that are made out of, like, boomerang blades that he throws really fast. Um, and then basically the rest of the book is just battles between all these different characters and you know, conflicting loyalties. Eventually, Reagan say tricks Vampire Hunter D by using something called a time warping incense, which turns uh, it from night to day. And doing that makes D's powers kind of weaker and he stabs him through the heart. So we think D is dead, even though there's 35 books in the series. And uh, it turns out that D has a a face on his palm like a demon that lives in his hand it's called the he calls it the the countenanced carbuncle uh that basically can gather the four elements of the earth together and resurrect d from the dead and then he fights the count the count's cape is alive uh but he beats him i forget how he beat the count's daughter it's all it's all like there's like uh, probably a dozen characters in this. They all love D. They all want to fuck him or kill him. Uh, D is very stoic. He b- barely says anything because he's like a. He's his dad is Dracula basically. Um, but overall, it's this really great. Uh, just you can tell he's just making shit up as he goes along. Type shit. Like I said, towards the end, there's like there's plants that look that are called dead man's hands that are planted by the vampires to uh, they're planted by the vampires to like grab people and suck them underground there are, there are clouds that basically absorb people and dissolve them inside the cloud um, like nope like nope yeah 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 exactly um, <laughs> there's nope clouds there's nope clouds uh, what else there's some other really good shit in here um, oh yeah the vampire like the question that lingers over the book is that you know, vampires, call, they're called the nobility, and they've essentially ruled over humans for 10,000 years. And there's, like, a real question as to why vampires don't just wipe humans out. So there's, like, kind of a suggestion that they kind of like the humans in a, in a weird way, even though they eat them. Uh, and then there's also, like, uh, there's, like, classic defenses against the vampires, too. Like, the garlic actually will, like, incapacitate a vampire, like garlic powder. But the thing is, is that the vampires using space age technology have made it so that as soon as a human knows that garlic is what works against them, their memory, they forget it basically because they've like hacked humans' brains. Um, and then part of the book involves trying to solve the mystery that uh, Doris's father, who was a vampire hunter, figured out. He said, I've discovered how to kill vampires. It's, and then like the letter T and then dot, 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 dot. And so there's this whole thing about what did he mean by a lowercase t? What is a 
What is a lowercase? It's a cross, right? Like a cross would actually, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, really cool book. Sorry if that was a bit of a of a ramble, but there's a lot to it, and uh, I like giving these book reports, so I'll probably do them more often. I'll try to make it maybe funnier next time. But uh, just really cool, really brisk read. A lot of repetition is what I noticed in it, right? Like um, characters have a personality trait. And they, they kind of just do that. Kind of like anime, you know? Just like over and over again. Like Doris is very emotional. She's always crying and shit. Her little brother is always brave. He's, he's always like, yeah, let's go go get him. D is always cool and collected. Uh, the Count is always evil. You know what I mean? Like, it's all very one note. But it kind of works. It kind of works, right? You, you kind of just, you kind of go with it. Uh, nobody really changes at the end of the thing. Everybody's kind of the same or dead, right? Um, but anyway, first book, so we'll see. Yeah, there's what happens. probably something to that. There's probably something to that. The uh, MFAs who don't want you to get the bag are always like, you gotta have character development and this and that. But people who buy books and want to read and follow stories are like, oh, that's the fat guy. That's mm-hmm. the hot guy. That's mm-hmm. the chick who's really good at counting cards. Right. Like. Right. That's what people want. I think also genre readers want. <clears throat> they want change gradually over the course of books. They want to go on a. It's we'll get to it when I talk about unsold, but they don't want D, for example, to be different by the end of book one, right? But but between book one and book thirty-five, yeah, yeah, there's gonna be some kind of change. But it's that more tectonic glacial shift in character rather than, you know, he's sitting there and he, all of a sudden he has a change of heart and he answers the hero's call. It's like no, he's just he's just always he's always he never he says no like once he's like nah you can't afford me and she's like please and he's like all right and then we're off to the races. There is like a that is better too than like um, it's investment. Everything with like I've noticed with readers everything is investment. That's why they usually want longer books because they think well there's more story in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And and then on a financial investment tip, it's like, well, I'm paying for a book, so a bigger book is more bang for my book. Yep. And then for just engaging, like it's almost like the whole model of by the end of the book, by the end of the story, everybody's got to be somebody different or learn something or whatever. It's like that's real short sightedness, bro. Like you don't think you're ever gonna write another one or. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you don't think you can keep this up? You think nobody's gonna buy this book? You just want to get it all out in one go? Like what's? Why are you trying to make everything wrap up by the end? Because mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, think about like Berserk or something. How like those arcs go on for? Uh, if you're not binging it the way that we do, that goes on for a long ass time before anything years. anything switches up. Yeah, it's years before they get to the God Hand. It's years before. <laughs> the black swordsman like which is introduced in the prologue but before we actually get to that sort of him becoming that and then it's even more years before he's like old man with all the kids Mm -hmm. one more thing about vampire hunter d that i like is kikuchi directly speaks to the reader um which is something that i do in dying world and i'm going to do more and more often 
<clears throat> there's a point where Greco, the bad guy, encounters a vampire and he pisses his pants. And uh, he says, you know, his fear got the best of his bladder. And then he writes uh, on a single line, but wouldn't you do the same thing? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I guess I would. Because he's always having to explain shit. You know what I mean? Like a character will end up cutting two and he'll be like, all right, hold on, back up. Let me tell you what happened here. Like he describes how it happens, which is like a flash of steel. And then somebody, you know, splits down the middle. And he's like, let me get down into the nitty gritty. See, what D did was he went in there, uh, deflected XYZ, and, you know, plunged his blade into his own stomach, which made the parallel dimensions. You see what I'm saying? Like, he, he mm-hmm. shows you the action, and then he gives he breaks it down for you afterwards. And uh, I think that's also a really cool way of, instead of trying to make sure that the reader is along with you the whole time, just, like, have something really cool happen. And then be like, all right, hold on. I'm going to tell you what happened here, okay? There's a little bit of backstory you need to know. but Yeah, it's like we're always, or I'm usually going for like style over clarity. Mm-hmm. And like cool words and cool descriptions and vivid imagery versus ha- letting the reader follow along. It's like if you didn't follow along, who cares? There were cool words, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like, uh, por que no los dos? It's like do the, just say the, say it really cool and then explain what happened. Yeah, it's a little bit of a bridge. This is what I'm discovering about reading books like this. <coughs> More uh, pulp and genre books and shit is that you want to give the reader, uh, again, characters who they like being around, first of all, um, which I think Vampire Hunter D isn't completely successful about because they are, they are kind of annoying. There's no real character that you root. I mean, Doris is always crying and you know, just yelling at people and I don't know, it's it, it's it's grating, I guess you could say. But in most books, you want a character that people want to be, who's like badass, which I guess in this case is D. Um, he's just sort of, he's OP, you know what I mean? Like he, in this book, at least, besides that one point where he gets killed, but then it turns out he can't be killed. Um, I guess that's just sort of the character that, that people are supposed to follow. But yeah, you give them a character like that and then put in good action, uh, get them invested in like the the lore of the world at large. Like what's going on? And like, I'm excited to read book two because I want to know more about this like weird cyberpunk, Victorian, steampunk world, you know? Uh, same thing with Cradle. Right, Cradle got me enough to have me order book two the other day on Amazon, because uh, I do not want to listen to audiobooks anymore. Did you listen to? <laughs> I listened to, to Glenn talking about uh, audiobooks or whatever, and uh, he said he said something. He's talking to Jack. That's right. He said uh, that it's it's not reading, which I don't agree with that. But then he was like, you know, I. I, he said, I started reading to get away from screens, right? So he doesn't do Kindle. He doesn't do audiobooks. He does paper. And that clicked. I was like, oh, fuck, that's true. Yeah. I'm trying to get away from the screen. So I ordered the second Cradle book in paperback. And that's just how I'm going to be I, reading. I guess because since you have the screen queued up to press play, it's like... <laughs> I, I think of it as being I think of it as being detached from it because I, I put on shit to listen to and like walk away yeah. from my I set my phone down a lot right, right. like when I don't uh, when I don't pick up a lot a lot of times you'll call me like right after I've texted yeah. and I'm sure you're like 
motherfucker, I just, like, you just sent that I'm gay. Pick up your phone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I, like, I'm always tossing my phone to the side because I don't want to look at that screen. Yeah. I, uh, I do, yeah, I do my shit on it and then throw it away. Yeah. And then I'll come pick it up yeah. later. I feel like we're, um, all, we're all getting to that, too. We're all getting to a really healthy place with our phones, meaning we don't well, fucking I've got look to at them. Yeah. No, I've gotten to the point, and I don't completely blame this on the phone, but it's definitely not helping that uh, I feel like I'm on the border of an aneurysm a lot of days. Like, where my my head is, like, pulsing. Like, just... I, I know you have a pulse in your head, but, like, I can feel that shit. And I'm just like, fuck, my brain's gonna fucking explode out my ears. Like, I can't take any extra sensory, you know, stress on it. What, bud? What? I got crying babies. I can't be looking at phones. I can't be looking That's at it. phones. That's you it. just want attention? What do you... Well, dude... You, ate, you burped. You clean. He's like, yeah, but... Why aren't you looking at me? Look at me! <laughs> Fucking look at me! Um, but, dude, I mean, since I stopped looking at my phone so much, I got all this work done this month. Really, honestly, no problem. I straight up, I did it when Gus naps, which I am ashamed to say that when I was on Twitter and on IG too much, I could spend his whole nap looking at that shit. Sad to say, but I got to be honest. I think that's where a lot of that time went. And so now I'm in a nice groove where I get my work done during his nap, three hours, um, and then during the evening... I write and read and I'm like oh right uh-huh and then I, I answer like discord messages and you know check IG when I'm taking a shit in the, in the evening you know what I mean like yeah you got to find moments like that and you have to dedicate time to that because if there's any kind of uh, you know when you have housekeeping to do you have you know with us we have the discord which uh is an open playground it's not like we even have to be on it at all right. but like you know keep be part of the community that we i like talking to those guys cultivate and they're cool yeah so i i like i like chopping it up over there but uh yeah i don't something weird does happen with the phone it's not even that like it hypnotizes you it's like it makes the it makes time go faster somehow it does it's fucking yeah. weird it's really weird i'd love somebody to do a deep dive into the science of that because i think you're 100 percent correct i think there's something spooky going on with time in front of a screen uh specifically time i'll narrow that down to time on social media because the time i spend in front of a screen when i'm doing my editing goes by completely normally i do about eight thousand words an hour steady pace uh so whenever if i do you know let's say a hundred pages i know that three hours is going to have gone by and i can count on that but <laughs> like the other day i um what was it i was looking at instagram i like to send y'all like two or three reels in the group chat um just like funny shit that i find and i was scrolling through that and i sent y'all the reels and then i was like wait a minute i got on this at 6 15 and it was like 6 36 i was like oh hell no 21 minutes Fuck, no, 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 fuck this, fuck this, that's, it's so, and I was just there chuckling away, watching, uh, you know, <laughs> somebody rearrange the letters in Gingerbread Man to something else, uh, 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, sometimes, and I mean, I don't know. And I think, like, uh, a lot of people, they'll say it jokingly, like, uh, antagonistically, but which mean, meaning, like, they kind of low-key feel that way. Mm-hmm. But when you don't, when you take forever to text back, they're like, oh, damn, yeah, it took you long enough. I was wondering where you went. It's like, bro, we're not in the same room together. <laughs> if we want, like... We live in a world where everybody can just hit you up at the drop of a, like, just instant, no matter where you are in the world. I was talking to Jay the other night. I never know when he's going to text because, you know, he's like across the pond. But actually, we text <laughs> we text a lot at two in the morning whenever I'm up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like breakfast or whatever it is over there. But he, uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. We're not in the same room, bro. Like, everybody, there's this weird, like, uh, societal rules that weren't established, really, that weren't clearly laid out. And everybody's like, uh, how long should I take to text back? As, as long as you take. Yep. We're not in the same room together. Right. I am only ignoring you if you are in my face and I'm not responding to what you're saying. If you text me and it's three weeks later that I respond, I was busy, motherfucker. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody got, got shit to do besides stare into the the black mirror void. Somebody sent me an email because uh, they wanted me to publish their book, and <clears throat> I'm really not gonna get into it because I have a rule about not talking about this shit. But it's to your point where I didn't respond to them after like two days, so they just went ahead and sent the book anyway, and. I shouldn't let myself get bothered by stuff like that, but it bothered me. It bothered me. Um, I don't like feeling that I'm a tool that other people can use. You see what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't like this idea of that. I'm just sitting here with nothing better to do until, you know, this, these people are ready to have their beautiful masterwork released on the world. And then, I'm going to hop into action, you know, like I'm going to be excited about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that just reminded me of what you were saying. Like, damn, it's been two days. And so you just went ahead and just kind of took the liberty, huh? It's like, well, I'm blocking your number and I'm not answering these emails at all. Uh, That was the other thing. Like uh, he was sending texts and I was like, yo, we're not cool like that. Like we're cool, but I don't. I just I don't I you see, you see what I'm trying like I don't I don't get what you're yeah. doing here right like we're not tight <laughs> if you do that if you say hey I got a book done I'll be like well is did you put it out yet and you'll be like no I want you to read it I'll be like why I'll, I'll read it when it's in paperback <laughs> yeah uh, why well, just put it out yeah just put it out <laughs> yeah that's how I feel about a lot of shit whenever uh you know if anybody needs me to read some shit like I formatted um the uh, uh, for somebody i think it was kind of a under it was we won't get into that but anyways i uh you know if there's a reason that i'm reading your shit like work related or something or you want feedback you're like bro i, I want you to check this out and and we are tight basically if you're broken river then mm-hmm. I'll look at that, but even if, even when it's just like, hey, I threw this up in the folder, a lot of times, 
we write a lot. Yeah. So I'm like, bro, when it drops, I'll read it. I want to hold Ghost of West Baltimore in my hands and read it. Yeah. Like, right. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Exactly. I'm going to read. Grant asked me to read his new cyberpunk book, and I'm going to read that in West. Um, because, you know, as like, I guess the owner of Broken River, number one, that's it's just sort of my job. You know, I was kind of teasing you earlier, but like, it is kind of my job to make sure that everything that I put out, I've actually read. Uh, and also, you know, if it's Simmons and Womack, then I'm actually excited to read it. But it just goes, it goes back to this really weird, this really weird over-familiarity that people have, right? Where I just, I don't know, man. I just have like manners with people who I talk to, who I don't know. Um, I made jokes about like me not understanding professional speak, and I don't, but I don't... Like, if I'm talking to, like, when I was talking to uh, this really huge crime agent, he was, like, James Elroy's agent and stuff, for a while I was talking to this guy, and he was asking me for recommendations for for authors, right? I did not uh, throw my hat in the ring because I don't want anything to do with that. But when I'm talking to that guy, I'm not like, hey, homie, you know what I mean? Like, I just Mm -hmm. don't know what I'm trying to say, just... A, no, just no, a no. little yeah. bit of formality would be nice coming from I'm not saying you don't have to come up to me with your hat in your hand to be like um sir I, I would love to uh lick your butthole and but just like it's weird right when somebody you don't know is like hey what's up bitch you're like what, what? yeah huh? when, yeah <laughs> I don't even I don't even like that going to the Popeyes in the hood right. like right. Uh, you know I'll roll up to certain drive throughs where it's like i get it you got leopard print tattooed on your face and i'm not far from that either mm-hmm. but like i don't know you like <laughs> and that's how you you pull up and you're like uh you get to the you get to the ordering station they're like what up bitch what you want yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly that's why that's why it's so difficult for me to articulate how i feel about uh a lot of like zoomer service workers now it's like I don't want them to call me sir and I don't want them to have all this like deference for me and wait on me hand and foot because that shit makes me really uncomfortable. But there's a line where, you know, I went through the drive through the other day and this girl was just like straight up on her phone and I started to order it and she goes like this. She goes, uh, hold on a second. So she could get her text off before she took yeah. it. And I was like, Yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tattle on you to your boss. I'm not gonna yell at you, right? I've been where you've been and I know your job fucking sucks. But bro, when I was in your position, there ain't no there's no way in fucking hell I would have like gotten my text off before helping a customer. You see what I'm saying? It's just no, it's just a balance. No, you don't do that. It's just it's just act professional. And once you get to a certain level of uh like, I don't want to be called sir ever, even by my kids. I don't, that's not something I do. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I don't know where Rowan picked it up, because he'll be like, yes, ma'am, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but, uh, well, I guess to Erica, but to me, Probably he's like, from daycare. Right. Yeah, but, right. right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it's just, you get to a, it's a respect thing. Yeah, exactly. I, we I just go, want to be We've respected. been through enough life and done enough hard work and been through the shit that it's just like, I just, a level of respect is all I'm asking. Not, don't lick my balls. I don't need that shit. I just, just like, just stop. I'm not your bro. No, no, we're not, we're not friends. And and conversely, I wouldn't act that way either. Like, I don't really make, 
Oh, dude, you know what's really funny? I did try to make small talk with one of these Zoomers and something fucking hilarious happened. So I was at Target and the kid who was checking out uh, had a Naruto shirt on. And so he says, hi, how are you today? I said, oh, I'm good, thanks. And I said, hey man, I like your shirt. And the Zoomer just like stared at me for like five seconds and then kept on beeping my shit through. Didn't say a fucking word. And I was like, damn, this is the last time I try to fucking connect with the youth of America. That's like, crazy. You're old. They don't want to connect with us. I'm yeah, realizing. No, no that. dude. I don't blame them. It's I don't fucking blame so them. So weird. I, see that because I'm that, cool that was, as shit. That like, was my bad. That was my bad. I overstepped there by trying to be personal. Like, no, just keep it. Hey, how you doing? Good. All right. Cool. Like, I was the one who was trying to be like, "Hello, fellow youth. I too enjoy Naruto." And he was just like, yeah. he was like in his mind, he's like, "Shut the fuck up." I'm at I'm working at Target. Kiss my ass. <laughs> it's like, all right. Yep, fair enough. That is a weird experience when you uh you come to the realization that the that the kids don't fuck with you no more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cuz I was at a I was, you know, I look really young or I used to look really young, I guess. I got crow's feet and shit now. But uh and I'm always wearing the the stress of the the world on my shoulders mm -hmm. gives me bad posture makes me look old mm -hmm. but like when i was like 25 you know kids would think i was just fresh out of high school or something i was the dropout that did some bad shit they're like where are you because zoomers would come up to me and be like where are you from like as mm -hmm. if they should know me mm -hmm. and i'm like bro no like i'm if you got an older brother in prison like i'm his age i'm not <laughs> i don't know you and they're like we but, do we absolutely do oh you know charlie mm -hmm. <laughs> but nah yeah that's it's a weird it's a weird spot to be at i want to get into egos more on a behind the paywall okay uh, so we don't get in trouble but so space dandy mm -hmm. i got into this shit just off of uh Hulu recommended. There's a lot of anime on Hulu right now to where I'm like, why do I have a Funimation account? Mm. Um, but so Space Dandy missed me, I guess, because it came out in 2014. And that's kind of the the gap in my uh, anime cultured years. I went from Toonami as a kid to like nothing and then Agitator. So the in-between Space Dandy dropped. It ran concurrently with a manga, so I haven't checked that out yet, but I'm curious how they were just, they were running them at the same time, basically. And only 26, vol or 26 issues of the manga, only 39 episodes, I think, of the anime. So one run and done series, which Shinichiro Watanabe, the legendary creator, uh, dude who did Cowboy Bebop, Samurai Champloo, he's, that's what those are. Cowboy Bebop is like one season, it has a movie spinoff. Samurai Champloo, I think it's three seasons, but it's like super short. Uh, and yeah, I'm glad I found this, because this is like, it's 100% our shit. It, it like, it, it relates a lot to things you were saying about Vampire Hunter D. It reminds me a lot of Yugen Junk. I'm like, I've been ripping this off and I didn't even know it. Like, I haven't even seen it yet. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. 
So, like, I watched the first four episodes, and I stopped on purpose, because I want to recap these real quick, and by the end of episode four, I was like, pause, I don't want to, like, I want to finish it, but I don't want to know where this is going before the episode. Mm -hmm. So, each episode is, like, uh, it's got a style, like, baby, like, he's, he's space dandy, he's a dandy in space, that's the... That's the premise. He is like a Buck Rogers, but he's like kind of, he's cooler. He's like quirky. Uh, but as with a lot of the types of characters Watanabe likes to create, he's down on his luck. He, he's, it's pretty much a cowboy bebop scenario where it's him and this android or robot thing. It's like a, he looks like a little vacuum cleaner, like an egg-shaped vacuum cleaner. And uh, his name is QT. And they're just drifting around in space, hunting down aliens, just to register them. They're basically like a, a border patrol, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> they're like freelance border patrol, and uh, but they can never. There's so many aliens in the universe that each one they come across is always like, "Nah, we already got that one." And they're like, oh, come on, but this one has a mustache. And they're like, yeah, no, they can have mustaches. It's still the same race. He's like, fuck. And because uh, apparently if you find a rare one, they'll give you a lot of money for, for registering them. But uh, he hasn't so far. And uh, he, in the first episode, Dandy and QT, so he's this guy who floats around. He's got a pompadour. He looks kind of like a red line dude. Mm. Uh, the art style kind of looks like TV budget Redline like you know they had a ton of money to pump into that movie but like if you just took away a little bit of the background detail it kind of looks like Redline which is really cool a lot of colors and shit a lot of shit going on screen all the time uh, and he rides around in this ship called the Aloha Oi and it's got a uh uh, a Hawaiian pinup painted on the side of it. Um, <laughs> he's he's chased by, and I'm not sure why yet, uh, haven't gotten to why, but throughout each episode, he's being pursued by this, uh, this whole legion, this like army, um, led by this flamboyant alien dude, and flying a ship that's got the Statue of Liberty's head on the front of it with a ball gag in its mouth. Whoa, that's tight. Yeah, no, everyth like everything about it is super tight. And then the names of shit. So he starts off, um, he, he starts off being like, I am Dandy and I hunt alien and you know, going out like sort of grandizing his, his story. Uh, which you come to find out he sucks at everything like he can't even shoot straight but he um, he's t going on about how like uh, most dudes only like tits and stuff but women are more than that this is a line I ripped directly from the anime I was watching this I was writing a chapter of Samurai Jesus and I was like that's, that's going in here uh, the line about how a lot of a lot of guys only appreciate tits but women are more than that. Some, you know, there's they got asses too. 
<laughs> but but the joke of it in Space Dandy is he he's obsessed with tits. Like he, he uh, <laughs> they, they go to they go to this um this franchise restaurant called Boobies, which is like Hooters, you know. But there's like jiggly anime tits everywhere, oh. and uh, <laughs> he's like always grabby with the girls and shit. And they're like, uh, "I thought you liked butts." And he's like, "Who said that?" Uh. <laughs> that is some shit that we would do. Just call a restaurant boobies. <laughs> it's called, and the word boobies is used more than anything else in the whole, like in the show. They go to boobies all the time. It's a it ends up being a major plot device, like sort of the center of some uh, to kick off some of the the plots. Um, like there's one where they're hungry and they haven't made any money because they haven't found any aliens, and uh, he find he finds one alien that's called a Beetlejuicean, and it's a cat, and he keeps calling him a cat, and he's like, I'm a Beetlejuicean, and. Uh, which is just the the names of shit continue to just be the type of shit that we would do. Mm -hmm. It's like, what do I call this? I don't know, whatever movie I'm watching at the moment or something. (laughs) (laughs) But he he looks like a cat. He's defensive about it. He's like, I'm not a fucking cat. He's like, what's your name? My name's Meow. (laughs) (laughs) This show sounds fucking hilarious. It's like my favorite... It's my new favorite fucking thing. And like, so they go on adventures and they're all like, uh, they're all like pulpy one-offs with the through line kind of being that they're consistently broke. They're trying to make more money. Uh, Meow becomes a crew member. He stays part of the crew. Even though they keep trying to sell him, they keep trying to dress him up as something else. And they're like, they'll look through the book of rare, uh, it's like a lore book of like mythological aliens, I guess. And it's like, we'll dress him up like this one that nobody's found before. And then they'll just like put sun, like sunglasses and lipstick on him. <laughs> Be like, he's this thing. He breathes fire out of his butt. And, and then his sunglasses will fall off and they'll be like, you fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what, what? I'm holding you, bro. Do you want to you want to hold the task cam? Huh? Hold that for daddy. You don't want to do anything, do you? You just want to cry. You just want to cry. Why do you want to cry? This this dude's teething. What are you He's trying always... to do? What are you trying to do? Oh, oh. That, that's not funny. You just slapped my nut. <laughs> So he came up to me like I thought he was going to give me a hug. <laughs> Fuck, bro. Oh, man. It's going to be his birthday. It's about to be Gus's birthday, the big number two. I'm excited for that. Also, I think the way we just did this show, I think that's the best way. I think that's the best. Because I think that between Vampire Hunter D and Space Dandy, I think we actually just talked about the actual thing more than we've done on the previous 88 episodes. Of the, and it's because we're explaining it. So for people who don't know, um, who aren't in the Discord or whatever, first of all, what are you doing? Go to patreon.com slash agitator and get bonus episodes. Go to the Discord, get you know free serialized Samurai Jesus and Ronin Trash. It's, it's a good deal for five bucks. 
But um, yeah, we decided that instead of doing one movie that we both kind of have to watch uh, or one manga that we each have to watch, you know, our schedules are different too. And a, a kind of a theme of Agitator recently is that as Kelby and I have moved more and more towards making money, uh, we've had... Remember the, the fucking... How I was saying that uh, there was those like six months where I didn't make any freelance money at all because I had that car money? Those were the months when we were going on like four podcasts a week and... <laughs> like scheduling guests and doing all these crazy and you can you can feel as the show goes on and we kind of get serious about hunkering down the show becomes much more pragmatic <laughs> and like what can we what can we actually do you know um but i think this is this is a cooler format because we are just able to follow our independent interests and then we convene here to do the normal agitator shit like talk shit drop gold but then also just instead of analyzing one thing together we tell each other about whatever we're, we've been into so you know if you have a opinion whether you like this or not uh if you're not on the patreon i don't give a fuck uh what your opinion is but if you do have an opinion and you want to tell me it you can uh go to the patreon pay five dollars and uh yeah go to patreon pay five dollars tell us you hate it and then uh you know, go to Patreon, and if you sign up for the year, you get a month free. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's a deal. If you have an opinion, you can go do that, and then you can just cancel your subscription before the year is up, you know? Yep. We have a few yearly subscribers. Shout out to them. Uh, it's a it's a nice way of doing it, actually. It's nice to get that extra 50 bucks. Um, and, yeah. Yeah. Again, I you know I want to be clear that I'm not I'm not saying this to like you know because I always hate it when podcasts do this like oh well, people won't help us so this is just how it is now. Uh, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just uh, you know I'm saying instead. Oh no, the pa- the Patreon money's slick. It's yeah. it's nice. Uh, it's gonna be built up a lot more. I li- yeah. I especially with the whole yep. me only taking thirty percent of what I fucking make. I uh we gotta get that up to like thirty K a month. Wait, you but take what do you mean you take thirty percent? No, I mean like the with what we like income, with what we have, with only like seventy percent of it being mine. Huh? Well, I, I, I don't of know. Of what we not not with the Patreon. I'm talking about like money that you make, the taxes and oh, shit we were talking about. Right, 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 right. I thought you said that you were only yeah. taking thirty percent of the Patreon money and I was like you need to go ahead and make that 50 because I don't know what you think you're doing. Like, oh, yeah, I'll just oh, give, no, I'll no, give, no, I'll no. give David 70% of the Patreon money. It'll be my good deed. And then whenever people do good <laughs> deeds, dude, it's just like six months later, they'll be like, I gave you 70%. <laughs> yeah, and I'll be, like, nah, I'll be like, dude, I didn't, to... I didn't ask for that. You just kind of... Yeah, didn't I didn't know that. That's between you and God, homie. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but okay, no, you're about to give me a heart attack. But um, uh, oh, anyway, what I'm saying though is like, yeah, once the if the Patreon ever um, becomes, you know, both of our sole sources of income, I think we could do a lot of cool shit with the show. Honestly, I think we could do. Uh, I'd like to start like if we had money, I'd like to start doing like slick, slickly produced like YouTube videos 
about about some yeah. of these movies. I think that would be cool to have a YouTube channel with like deep dive investigations into the shit that we like, like Gantz and you know seek out interviews with uh, with these people and you know like have an agitator style interview with Hiroki Oku and you know well I guess not Kentaro Mira but you know people like that yeah yeah no we get we get those requests all the time and like we because we have a lot of zoomers the nature of the podcast being what it is you know we have a lot of zoomer listeners and uh shouts out to y'all love y'all but uh we're we're grown and we have to work so (laughs) it's hard for us to put together youtube videos i know you know how to do it you're probably way better way faster than me at it but i'm busy i ain't got time to like youtube takes a long time to load as it is Mm -hmm. it's a lot of work syncing up audio with video when we get more money that's the kind of shit we're gonna do but Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Hell no, not right now. <laughs> there's, <I'm> not. <laughs> there's just no, there's no fucking way, dude. There's no fucking way. Cause I think, I think that what was um, really starting to bum me out the past few months, besides just not having money, was not having any any free time either. You know what I mean? It just felt like every every second was accounted for. I would finish up work, and I'd be like, oh, whew, well today I can take a breath, and then it'd be like, wait, no, I gotta go on a podcast right or i gotta fucking you know i gotta finish up editing lost explorers or you know and so i've got this really nice work-life balance going just this month we'll see what may brings knock on wood but um i kind of want to protect that at all costs because i kind of just have enjoyed life this month and uh man that's (laughs) That's just really say like even through tax season and all that kind of stuff, just not to, to not have um, you know the icy cold terror of poverty uh, latch onto my balls for a month was just it was really fucking cool. I could get used to it to be honest with you. Yeah, we gotta keep it going. I think we will too. I've been through the ringer. I've been uh, and I was thinking too, just narrative terms and like if new numbers matter to people, uh, to some people. Um, and so, like, I'm 30 now, and I'm like, man, in three years, I'm going to be 33. Like, I think I'm on a good path. I think something something good's going to happen at 33. Not that I'm not trying, like, I need the bag right now, but sure. I'm just yeah, saying, right. like, you know, heading in the right direction. I've done a lot of bad shit in my life. Uh, yeah, me too. So I've had, to, I've had to struggle. I've had to pay back the karmic debt. Mm-hmm. I've had to go through the redemption arc. But... Yeah, yeah, it's time to keep getting that bag. I've learned the lesson, too, because I come from poverty. So I come from, like, hey, a thousand bucks, I'm set for the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. But uh, now I get money, and I'm like, cool. I feel better. Like, I feel more inspired and alive and not like my head's going to explode. But, like, literally I breathed a sigh of relief when I got an email about a job offer this morning. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Everything just became sunshine and roses. Yep. Uh, yeah. I know the feeling. But that just means I want to make more. Now yeah. I'm like, all right, now I'm going to finish that and get to the next one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Again, you get into that groove. You get into the nice work-life balance. And, you know, I mean, for me, the challenge every month is to just find... I mean, I did nine books 
this month. But really, what I what I want to get into, and if we got any lit RPG people listening to the show, oh. excuse me, if we got any lit RPG people out there listening, uh, and you and you're a writer, hit me up because uh, I'm trying to edit some some lit RPG because these fools put out like a book every two months, and those are the kind of customers that I really need, right? Where it's just like ten lit RPG authors who you know just keep producing over and over and over again so i never have to bid for a job ever again it's just hey david part 17 of the the wind raper chronicles is out like can you i'll be like hell yeah dude i love wind raper that's one of my favorite series hell yeah yep and hey i can narrate that shit Mm -hmm. i uh i i get into character i can prove send it to me I'll throw you a little audition back. Like, I can prove it. I get a lot of people being like, your voice is a little too Southern for what I like, but I actually got a job that way. Somebody was like, you know, your voice is a little too Southern for this thing that you auditioned for, but I have something else that I'd like you to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, that's cool that got me a job, but I can lose the Southern voice. Like, I can show you. I can lose it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, you got to show me the money first. Yeah, cause <laughs> I gotta get into I gotta get into character. Yeah, I gotta get into character, dude. Yeah, and it's and then just as soon as that as soon as there's just a source of income that's smooth <clears throat> that you don't have to think about, cause that's the goal with every freelance thing, right? Is to get to the point where you basically just kind of have a job, but you don't have a boss, you know? And it's like okay, like so for the rest of however long I want to keep this thing going. I have consistent clientele <clears throat> that come back time and time again. Uh, I only really deal with like 20 people, uh, and it's all good. That's when, I mean, that's when like the, the books start coming out more often, right? Because like, that's, that's something, and I know we're running a little late on this episode, but that's all right. Um, that's something that I really want to get to also is I want to be able to produce books, you know? Like I want to, I want to get my writing schedule going. <clears throat> but right now it's like Ronin Trash is about it's what I have time for and I scheduled myself a week to finish God's Fair No Better 2 <laughs> so that's that's kind of where I'm at with that right now but it would be cool to have like a a, a comfortable enough schedule to know like okay I, I work on this when Gus is napping and I do a thousand words a day in the evening and then I read and play video games and go to sleep yeah yeah I uh I'm I'm very motivated by money. So like when I've been struggling, it's like my weekly writing is the chapter that I'm gonna be last minute or late for, for you can junk, mm-hmm. <laughs> my mm-hmm. 600 words a week. And when I'm making money, like today, that was one of my things. I was like, shit, I feel inspired to write something. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the thing too. You said you know it's a it's a money thing. And so when you're doing triage and you have to make money. Um, writing a book starts to slip lower and lower on the list because like Dying World sold well, but it didn't sell as much as I wanted it to by a long shot. If it had, I feel like book two would have probably been out like the next month. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like if I made like $5,000 off of it, I'd be like, well, well, here's part two. And then here's part three. But I did not make $5,000. Yeah, that's that's all it'll take for me. If I can get 5K in one drop, like uh like drop day or not drop day but drop month pretty much mm-hmm. if i'm covered that month then i'm gonna be like i'm gonna just write the next one fuck it mm-hmm. like i put some 
not putting jobs on pause because you don't you don't ever do that. I've learned that lesson. You don't ever do that. Mm-hmm. But you take whatever falls into your lap, and besides that, you just write the next book. Yeah, yeah. Which again, I've been doing a lot of research on the most popular current books in circulation, and uh, I'm absorbing it into my sponge-like brain. Uh, something I should have done 10 years ago, but I was uh, too much of an art to do that. So now we are all about the money, and we're going to get yeah. it. And maybe it was part of the training, too. Like, there's no way to go back, and uh, unless it's just completely how we are now to teleport back mm-hmm. and just kill our former selves and continue on in this incar- like this version that knows everything... We kind of had to learn, like, you know, I'm going to adapt and steal and put my own spin on all this mainstream shit, but all that art shit is just ingrained in me now. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm... True. It's going to be better than the mainstream because I had to, to kind of go through both. I had to drive in both lanes. Right. 